It's time for the Josh Kirby on Sports Podcast. On this edition of the Kirby on Sports Podcast, we break down week 10 in the National Football League with guest contributor Zach Roth. Plus, we have line them up. And the NBA draft is approaching soon. We will have some big NBA trade news and notes and what we expect from this year's NBA draft. All that and so much more. But before we begin, we would like to thank our brand new sponsor at Regroup Building Services, specializing in custom homes, remodels, additions, and so much more. If you're looking for a new place to call home or just need repairs on your current home, look no further. Regroup Building Services has you covered. Make sure you check them out today at www.regroupbuildingservices.com. Once again, that's regroupbuildingservices.com. We do the honeydews that your honey don't. Make sure you tell them Josh sent you. We are also sponsored by PM Plus Reserves, now expanding their territory to serve the I-81 corridor from Hagerstown, Maryland to Stanton, Virginia. All right. It's time for another edition of the Kirby on Sports podcast, starting right now. This is Dave Johnson, voice of the Washington Wizards. You have connected to the right place because you are listening to my man, Josh Kirby on Sports Podcast. All right. Another week. That means another edition of the Kirby on Sports Podcast. As always, you know me by now. If you don't, I'm Josh Kirby, the host of this wonderful, great podcast. And we have a lot to break down for you this week. But before we do, we're sponsored by Regroup Building Services and PM Plus Reserves. Big thanks, as always, to MPT Now Productions, Productions Dave Johnson and Productions by Quet for all their support on the podcast. Uh, pleased to be joined by guest contributor. You heard him if you listened to the podcast last week as he did the first um, edition of Line Em Up. Uh, we have Zach Ruff with us, um, a writer for ProFootballAction.com. You can check him out on Twitter at the Zach Mamba 24 Zach, uh, thanks for being on today. Um, how's it going, man? Absolutely, man. Thanks so much for having me. I'm uh, I'm happy to be here. I'm, you know, we're fresh off of a a, a pretty pretty eventful week ten, and uh, looking forward to to week eleven and finishing the season. So I just yeah appreciate the opportunity and and love sitting down with you. Yeah, man. Absolutely. I'm glad to have you on. So um, 
A jam-packed week indeed. We're almost halfway through this NFL season. It's so hard to believe. And um, they're still doing it safely. Some COVID tests have popped positive. Um, One for Washington that was just announced earlier today in New York, I believe, had one or two. Uh, But still, the way they're doing this, handling the COVID protocols, um, hats off to the NFL, still playing safely and um, so that everybody gets an opportunity to play. So um, without further, yeah, yeah. Was there anything you wanted to touch on that? Just, um, you know, it is impressive. Um, I think sort of baseball kind of, Major League Baseball kind of laid the blueprint for how they would have to structure it. in terms of teams traveling, um, they're not, you know, they didn't do an NBA uh, bubble like the NBA and the NHL and you can't with that many people. I don't for that long. I, I don't, I just don't know how you would get that done. Um, but it's, you know, they've done it. They've done a really good job at, at mitigating it, uh, moving the schedule around for teams that haven't had outbreaks yet. I'm a little bit nervous as we get closer to the playoffs. Um, we'll see what that looks like because obviously, you know, pushing back, playoff games is much, much bigger deal. People missing playoff games, a much, much bigger deal than, you know, Green Bay's third string running back, not playing in a Thursday night game against the Niners. So we'll see, uh, we'll see, you know, kind of how that plays out. Yeah, absolutely. So let's dive right into it. We have a jam packed episode once again. So I want to start off a big bounce back win for the Indianapolis Colts beating the Tennessee Titans 34 to 17 in this game. I I mean, once again, a big bounce back game losing to the Ravens last week, Mm -hmm. but now, I mean, the Colts were there. The Colts had um, aggressive play calling. They went three for five on fourth down conversions, which is very rare, but I've seen this a lot more in the NFL that there are, a lot more fourth down conversions when you're um like inside the fourth and five and less or something mm-hmm. like that. I've seen more teams go for it rather than punting if the situation warrants for that. Um, Tennessee with a new punter, a punter straight from FedEx to the football field. <laughs> and um, that, that was obviously something that did not go in Tennessee's favor. The Colts blocked that punt, returned it for mm-hmm. a touchdown and a missed field goal as well. So a lot of opportunities, mistakes that P- Tennessee made that the Colts capitalized on. And yep. I think that's one of the main reasons why the Colts bounced back and got this win. Oh, absolutely. And, and, you know, they got, they got great play out of uh, Michael Pittman and Naheem Hines. Um, Naheem Hines, man, talk about not knowing who to start in fantasy out of the Colts backfield. That dude put on a show. He had uh, 12 carries for 70 yards and a touchdown, five catches for 45 yards. Uh, You know, he's known more as, as their, I think it was their leading receiver coming into the game last week. And for him to do so much on the ground, um Tennessee's got holes Tennessee looks good early but teams I Tennessee has got to put together some better some better defensive stops uh you mentioned the Colts were three of five on on third down um I think uh, you, you also talked about you know teams going for it on fourth down I think a large part of that is because defenses have been so terrible this season and so you have faith in your offense to convert and then you don't have as much faith in your defense to stop the opposing team on the drive back. And, you know, Derrick Henry, obviously going to do what he does 
week in and week out. But he had 19 carries for 103 yards, no touchdowns. So if he's not hitting home runs, if he's not, you know, scoring on these on these big drives, they they got to get it from somewhere. Um, that was Tannehill's third game in which he passed for under 200 yards this season. And I'm a big Ryan Tannehill fan. I think Ryan Tannehill doesn't get enough credit, but this year he came out and kind of put a damper on that whole entire thing. So, I mean, it is a huge bounce back win for the Colts. It's a divisional opponent. Now they're in position. Like, I, I'll be honest with you, I was writing an article when the Colts were playing the Bengals about kind of the Philip Rivers experiment and how terrible it was. And I had to stop writing my article at halftime and retailer it to Philip Rivers, you know, bounces back after a couple of bad games. And he, since that, since that game has really, you know, really come on and really done some things with guys like Michael Pittman, not the guys you would expect. You expected, you know, we expected T Y Hilton. We didn't know who they were going to have at tight end, who was going to perform. Um, he's getting everybody involved. And, and I think, you know, against a divisional opponent towards the end of the season, there can't be enough stated about the sort of momentum that they can take away from that win. Yeah, that that's a good point there, but I want to backtrack back to what you said about the defenses being not so well. I mm-hmm. think that's a key attribute to there not being any training camp, any preseason oh, sure. games because of COVID-19. I think that plays a big part and it's interesting to see the teams who are going for it the having faith in their offense that they can convert and get another three, four downs out of a drive and potentially mm-hmm. score. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, um, definitely, definitely not having training camps affects everybody. Um, some teams it affects more than others, I think. And I, I don't know. It's interesting because you don't see it as much. I don't feel like we're seeing it as much on the offensive side though. I like in timing with quarterbacks and wide receivers, um, especially when you're talking about guys like Kyler Murray, it's not like Kyler Murray is, you know, Tom Brady or Ben Roethlisberger, who's been doing it for a decade plus and, and has guys that he's worked with for four or five years that he can, I mean, Tom Brady doesn't other than Gronk, but um, just being able to prepare by themselves, you're not seeing that same, I mean, offenses are putting up, I think three points a game more teams are putting up three points a game more um per game this season than the highest they've ever done in history, which was in 2018. So um, COVID definitely, definitely has, has its, you know, say in that, but I don't know. I don't know that it gets a ton better with just a couple of training camps. They all hate training camp anyway. Nobody wants to go. (laughs) (laughs) And so, so I mean, remains to be seen. We'll see what their off season programs look like, you know, this coming off season and, and if things, change at all all right so that that's the final there 34 to 17 and a big bounce back win as Mm -hmm. i mentioned earlier uh moving to the sunday slate of games on our docket tampa bay last week if you heard me i went on a huge rant about how tampa bay (laughs) got blown out and only rushed for eight yards i'm not gonna yell like i did last time but hats off Bruce Arians probably tore into that entire team. And you see Ronald Jones rushing for the longest rush in Buccaneers history. Mm -hmm. I believe it was 93, 94 yards to the house. I think it was, I think it was 98. Yeah. Some big 90 number. (laughs) (laughs) Anyways, 
he takes it to the house. That mm-hmm. is what you need. Ronald Jones, 23 carries, 192 yards and a touchdown. Oh, uh, unbelievable. As compared to last week, only rushing for eight yards. That's what you need to win a football game. But other than that, Teddy Bridgewater went out with a leg injury late in this mm-hmm. game. I, I, I hate, I feel for the guy because it, it, it's crazy, but reports saying it's not the leg he injured that set his career back uh, two years, but um, he he seems hopeful to play next week. So um, looking forward to seeing how that turns out. Um, PJ Walker came in and finished the game for Teddy Bridgewater. Not enough stats there. It was towards the end of the game, Mm -hmm. like I said earlier, but still Tampa Bay taking advantage of a terrible loss. And I'll say it again, a bounce back win. Mm-hmm. Tampa Bay seven and three now, and mm-hmm. they're looking pretty good um, in this division. It's tough still. And you see Antonio Brown getting some playing time, seven receptions, 69 yards. Um, as an Antonio Brown guy, I mean, I'm glad to see him on the field, but I'm just not confident on how long he will stay on a football field due to his past actions and behaviors. Sure. And, and, and what just came out, I think what yesterday or the day before um, about him, you know, destroying a camera or something in October and then comes to the bucks, you know, 14 days later, eight, 16 days later, something like that. You know, I, I definitely understand that. Um, but I mean, he made an impact, right? You said seven catches for 69 yards. That's not a joke. And, and for me, that's the tip of the iceberg. That's the warm-up game. You know, I know he played in the previous week, but I, that to me is, I mean, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Antonio Brown and Scott Miller and the other guy who was catching balls all over the place. I can't remember his name. It's slipping, but um, the, you know, the bucks look great. And now, we'll get to it probably a little later, but Drew Brees' injury really for me takes the saints out of it. And I know they held on last year with, with Teddy Bridgewater, but um, they didn't have these Buccaneers to deal with. And I think they probably tied right now for the division or, or one of them's one game up, something like that. So uh, yeah, I mean, especially when you, when you sort of watching that first half of that game, um, beginning of the game, I think Teddy Bridgewater threw 11 straight completions at, at, at the, from the start of the game through, I don't, I don't know if it, he took it all the way to the second half, but into the second quarter. And then you, it looked like, oh, well, this is, this is, this is crumbling. This is last week all over again. The Bucks are not going to be able to, to, to win this game. They're going to be on a two game losing streak. It's another division game they've lost. And then they came out and they, the Panthers only scored six points the whole second half. So the defense showed up. And the offense went on a tear. You talk about the Ronald Jones uh, fantastic rush that he had. And I mean, obviously Carolina's missing McCaffrey, right? And so would that have changed the game in their favor? I don't know if it would change it in their favor, but they would have had a much better shot if they had Christian McCaffrey. So him, him not being able to suit up because he hurt his shoulder the previous week and his return spells the end of their, I mean, their season's done, right? Their season's done. Atlanta's season's done. This is a two horse race. And I'm going to take the team that has their, you know, star quarterback as opposed to the team that's filling, putting in Jameis Winston. Not that I think Jameis Winston's terrible. I would take Jameis Winston over several other quarterbacks in the league, but you know, I just, for me, 
it's over for for the Panthers and the Saints. Uh, yeah, looking at the NFC South here, the Saints are up again. The Bucks are seven and three. The Saints are seven and two. As okay. you know, the Saints did sweep the Buccaneers, mm-hmm. but we will get to Drew Brees later in the yep. show. But I, I want to go back to this Tampa Bay, um, the receiving core, and how if the receivers stay healthy. And it looks like they have a good solid four or five receivers that Tom Brady can throw to. And that, that's the key. I, I feel like the Buccaneers are going to go on a big tear if, one, the receiving core stays healthy, and two, mm-hmm. Antonio Brown doesn't cause any dr- drama with this team. Sure, but I think if there's one team that I I want I I think Antonio Brown would succeed on it's this one, because we saw when he went to the Patriots when Tom Brady was with the Patriots he came in he was only there for like a week and a half but he came there he got in line and he did his job and I think that first game out he had like five balls for 61 yards and a touchdown something like that and he you know comes to Tampa moves in with Tom Brady and I mean it's one of those it's one of those kind of you know, situations where I think if he's going to succeed, at least for this season, it has to be there. And I don't think that, I mean, Tom Brady's never lost a locker room. Like that's, that's never happened. Um, they've never had, you know, the Patriots never had distractions and things like that. And we can say it's because of the, the, the culture, but also Tom Brady's only played on teams that had that culture. So I'm sure he brings some of that culture with him uh, to Tampa Bay and he's got Gronk and you've got guys like Mike Evans and, uh, Chris, uh, Chris Godwin and none of them have that sort of diva wide receiver mentality. So I don't think if, look, if Bill Belichick thought there was enough to keep AB's attitude in check when he went to new England, I'm sure that he'll be okay. I don't think that he can cause the team to implode. Uh, you definitely can't hang that 38 to three loss on him, which I saw people trying to do all over the place on Twitter. Um, so, so for me, it's, for me, that's a non-issue for me. The biggest thing is can that defense show up like they did in the second half against the Panthers and how they were for most of the first half of the, the whole season. Yeah. that uh, That's a great point right there. Um, so it, it, it was just a great game all around. It was an evenly matched game. Um, one turnover a piece for each of the teams, but Teddy Bridgewater's injury in the second half, Tampa Bay's defense showed up, like you said earlier. So, um, uh, in that game, 46 to 23, as Tampa Bay takes a much needed win, another bounce back, as I'd like <laughs> to call it. So um, let's move on to the next game. And the, uh, I'll just chime in and say, as a fan, this was the most heartbreaking game I've ever seen. <laughs> We're going to stay unbiased here as I am trying to work on that more and more. The Washington football team falls to the Detroit Lions 30-27. to The Detroit Lions' first win at Ford Field this season. And if you look at the two halves, it, it, it looked like two completely different football games. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, first and foremost, though, Alex Smith, his first start, in two years after yep. breaking his leg against the Houston Texans at home in 2018, he, he 728 days. Remarkable uh, for a quarterback who broke his leg and his injuries were considered warlike. 
warlike injuries. And he actually had to go to a military hospital. The, de- um, the Department of Defense signed something, I heard, saying he could go to this military hospital in uh, Houston, Texas, to recuperate that leg. And now, I, I mean, the fight, the courage, this story gets better and better and better. And he pretty much completed another chapter in the storybook of Alex Smith and what he has gone through. He almost died. He almost mm-hmm. lost his leg. And for him to come back, hats off to the man. Absolutely. I mean, you got to give, you know, it's an inspiring story for sure. And, you know, he said he, a part of it was he wanted to show his kids that he could, that he could do it. Um, I think he probably wanted to prove to himself that he could do it and, and hats off to him. Um, for me, I think a little bit of it is we're getting lost in the, 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 the dramatics and the story of, of what he's gone through with this injury and sort of relating that and letting that overshadow the quarterback that he's been in his career. Um, he threw for 390 yards this past week against the Lions. That's the first time in his entire career that he has thrown back-to-back 300-yard games. The first time. Never done it before. Uh, that was also career high in yards for him. As a, you know, you're, you're, you're trying to keep your bias out of, out of for, the, for the football team. I'm a diehard Niners fan. So I spent much of my, you know, coming-of-age years watching Alex Smith uh, play for the Niners and we can talk about the the coaching carousel and the different offensive coordinators and things like that but let's also talk about you know the run game that San Francisco had that entire time and the pressure that that took off of him and the poor decision making that he still suffers from as we saw in last week's game yes against yes. um who they what the Giants the, the Giants yeah he needs um, to learn to check down like so I, I tweeted that last interception he had, literally two receivers w- wide open. He just had to check down, but he forced it. But mm-hmm. and, I, I, not being a coach or know nothing about coaching, mm-hmm. I, I, I would have looked at that tape. I, I guarantee a five-year-old would have said, why didn't he throw to one of those two? And, and I, I mean, that that's just what I saw. I could blatantly see that I'm not I, – I don't have any coaching experience. <laughs> and I knew he should have checked down to one of those two players. Absolutely. And, and you know, it, it look, look, it happens, right? Like, people make poor decisions. Yeah. And that's okay. But, I mean, Russ did it. And we're going to talk about Russ later. Russ did it this past weekend and made a terrible decision of his own. But the difference is – Russ has won a Super Bowl. Russ is considered, you know, top X number of quarterbacks talent-wise to ever do it. And Alex Smith has just now, for the first time in his career, thrown two 300-yard back-to-back games. Um, so, so for me, awesome, like absolutely inspirational what he is doing in terms of coming back. As far as factors into him as a player, he's A, the most – the the most I trust the most out of any quarterback in the NFC East right now. No question. I would take him over any quarterback in the NFC East right now. That is, that is playing. Um, we can argue him and Dak, but anybody Wentz Jones, Dalton or whoever else they're running out in Dallas. I trust Alex Smith more than anybody else. Yeah. So my prediction for the NFC East was that they were going to win the division. This game set me back a little bit, but I still think that he has enough, uh, to get it done. And Terry McLaren, I mean, losing his first fumble in his career, like 
college and the NFL, amazing. Like, sad, bummer for him, but, like, amazing that he's gone this long without ever fumbling the ball. Yeah, I I, I mean, that was a bang-bang play right there. It, it could have gone either way. Sure. So, so I, I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, it, it sucks for him, but still, it could have gone either way. I'm not trying to make excuses, but that's just what I saw. But sure. looking at this game, Zach, it looked like two completely different halves of football. Washington was getting outscored in all phases of the game. In the first half, Matt Stafford mm-hmm. had like two deep touchdown passes. Oh, beautiful deep catches. Ba- yeah, yeah, beautiful, beautiful. And Fuller got flagged for the pass interference there um, on that first one. But uh, anyways, then the defense just, they were getting burned. And then the second half was a completely different ball game. Um, the Detroit shot themselves in the foot with some penalties. Alex Smith went on a roll. The mm-hmm. thing I really like about Alex Smith, decide. Uh, I mean, he does does things, but when he makes decisions, um, it just goes to show you that um, he, he looks confident. You know, so he was making good throws. We they were getting good chunks of yards. And um, Antonio Gibson on the ground, he looked very good today. Antonio Gibson, he had uh, 13 carries, 45 yards, but still only 89 yards total for this Washington offense, which is decent, but still not enough. So, um, but two completely different halves of football. But um, in the end of this game, Detroit almost shot themselves in the foot. Then Chase Young gives essentially gives Detroit a free 15 yards. You can argue, was that roughing the passer call legit or not? But you sent Matt Prater up with a 59-yard field goal. You you can almost guarantee that indoors because Matt Prater has the career record for longest field goal in the league. True, but he also had missed a field goal in the previous four consecutive games. So... Uh, that the field goal that uh, Hopkins missed for the football team earlier in the game. I mean, obviously we don't know how the game would play out after that, but it was the difference right there. Um, Matt Prater. Yeah. Yeah. Props to him wins the game. Uh, and he did what he is supposed to do. Right. Um, but you know, there was a second there where I was like, well, he hasn't missed yet today and he's missed every day the past four, four games. So he's definitely going to miss this one. And he, he put it right through and it, and it, uh, you know, kind of put a damper on things, but imagine, imagine being two and seven and people still picking you to win your division. I mean, what kind of world are we living in where there's anybody, I mean, and I'm nobody, but imagine anybody anywhere is, is picking, picking you to win the division and at least even having a shot, a realistic shot at it. Right. Cause nobody's technically eliminated, right. That you, someone might be able to do it, but at two and seven, I'm fairly confident that I think the Redskins are going to win the division. The the Washington football. I'm sorry, the Washington football <laughs> every time. Once a day. No, yeah, everybody makes that mistake still. I've still heard it on TV. If they time. just had a real like team name, it would be easy. Yeah. Like you're not gonna see me calling the New Orleans Pelicans the uh or you're not gonna hear me call the Charlotte Hornets, you know, the Charlotte Bobcats. That's that that was never hard because they switched yeah. entire teams. The same with the Pelicans, they were the Hornets. Um so, so yeah, if they could just get a, a real, you know, logo and a name, that would be, 
perfect. Well, looking at this NFC East, um, Washington is currently tied with Dallas. Washington's home record is two and three, and the road record is 0 and four. Dallas has the same exact numbers two and three at home, 0 and four on the road. You look at the Giants, three and seven, and the Eagles, three, five, and one. That, I mean, this division, any way you look at it, as I've said, is a dumpster fire any way you look at it. Absolutely. So, Absolutely. But uh, still, uh, hats off. This was a great game. But can we talk about Akib Tlaib in the broadcast booth? <laughs> Jeez. Akib Tlaib. What's up, bud? <laughs> His first <laughs> broadcast. And he's... He, he straight up say, oh, I came up here to watch a great game or something like that. And I, I, I was like, really, man? You played in this league and you're just sounding like you're having fun? I mean, look, not everybody could be Tony Romo. Not everybody's going to come down here and break down every single play with in amazing precision to the point where you wonder how they ever threw an interception in their entire life. You know, not know. everybody's going to be that. So, I, I mean... Also, they ran him out there to watch the Washington football team versus the Detroit Lions in 2020. Like, give him something, give him something a little more exciting. You know, a little, I mean, that game was exciting for sure. Yeah. Give him something a little more star power, a little bit more, uh, you know, something he doesn't have to maybe, something to say, I mean, look, if you wanted me to cover a game this weekend and you gave me that game, that's the one game I would have to do the most research on because. I don't know enough about anybody on those teams. I'm sure he knows tons about everybody on those teams, yeah. but I'm sure he knows just like most people, a lot more about the Rams and the Seahawks or the Buccaneers um, or I don't know, even the Vikings and the bears, you know, it's, it's a tough gig, man. I'm sure. So I'm sure, I'm sure we'll see. Uh, we'll see. Get his gear. But maybe he's Jason Witten. Maybe he's another Jason Witten. Who knows? <laughs> Who knows, man. So uh, Washington, Detroit, in that game, 23, no, 30 to 27, excuse me. Uh, if you're just tuning in, I'm with Zach Ruff recap, recapping week 10 of the National Football League. You can find Zach on Twitter at the Zach Mamba 24. He is a writer for profootballaction.com. Let's move on here to the Rams and the Seahawks. And boy, I, I, I hate to say it in this game, but. I, 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 it's something I, it sort of breaks my heart to say that I think the MB, MVP candidacy for Russell Wilson is going downhill quickly. Mm-hmm. He has not been playing well, and his stats this game two interceptions, no touchdowns. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I mean, I hate to say it, Russell Wilson deserves to be in the M, uh, league MVP, but I really think it's going downhill if. Something doesn't change with this Seattle team. Yep. Uh, I was on a show last week where I said that it was definitely going to be Russ. And so this is my fault. Uh, Sorry, Russ. I jinxed him because I really handily said, I think it's going to be Russ. And then he came out and laid an egg. Uh, But, you know, and and one of those picks, I was talking about it earlier. I don't know if you saw it, but um, he has, you know, 15 yards ahead of him. Nobody's around. And he, for some reason, threw across his body to the end zone. Oh, yeah. To a guy running when there was a defensive back standing right there, just standing, just just waiting for the ball. And decisions like that kill you. But that's what I'm saying. Russ can make those decisions because Russ does Russ things. 
Um, I, what surprised me most about the Rams Seahawks game though, is I really thought the Rams would try to take more advantage of the terrible pass defense of the Seahawks. Um, I looked at the splits. They actually did rush less than their average and pass a little bit more than their average, but I really would have thought they would be airing it out, running it all over the field. If you watch that first drive, Cooper cup gets behind everybody, except I think two dudes, Jared Goff doesn't hit him in the way that I want him to be hit. And he goes down at the 10 and they end up with a field goal. And so I, because then they tried to rush the ball three straight times. Now they did get, you know, decent production on the ground. They got a couple of rushing touchdowns, but I, for me, I, I would have liked to see the Rams kind of that game shouldn't have been close. The Seahawks have the worst um, passing passing defense in the league in terms of yards per game, the worst. They're dead last. They're yeah. dead last in passing defense. So for me, I don't understand why you wouldn't try to exploit that even further. Um, screen, screen passes, I don't care. Do whatever you want, but just get the ball out there. And I don't think they did a ton of it. So uh, that division's also, you know, that, that division is a three-horse race, and we have no idea how that one's going to play out. Yeah, the Seahawks, their issue is, I've seen it in past weeks, it's mainly their offense plays great, except for when goose eggs like this game happened. But their defense Mm -hmm. can't do anything. And you have to be Mm three-dimensional. I've said three-dimensional before in order to win a football game. And we did not see this here. Clearly, Jared Goff not really that great of numbers only 10 incompletions 302 yards but he didn't throw for a touchdown or an interception Mm -hmm. in 106 total yards rushing I mean this clearly could have been a game that went either way but just the turnovers the turnovers the turnovers shot themselves in the foot two interceptions for Russell Wilson Mm -hmm. that that's not like Russell Wilson. And I hate to say it, but I think the MVP candidacy is going downhill. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I mean, there's still a little bit of time left, so we'll see, you know, what happens moving forward. I think a big part of it is at a certain point, he can't bail the defense out anymore. So I think at a certain point, you know, if he makes these mistakes and they start losing games, he's trying to, or he, he has to do so much to win games like they did against the Patriots. You know, um, he has to, he has to do so much. He has to, he has to make the best throw every time he has to run around. He has to not get sacked and eventually it's going to catch up. And I think that's what we're starting to see is it's a little bit catching up. We also have to remember it's a divisional game and for all the talk on, on social media about uh, the Rams defense being terrible last season and look at what their phenomenal defensive coordinator has done. Yeah. I mean, they still had Aaron Donald last year. So last I checked, it was just an underperforming type of season. Um, and, and we see that from Rams players. I mean, I don't know if it's a, if it's a culture thing, if it's a coaching thing, um, if it's a specific player thing. We saw with Jared Goff. Jared Goff had a phenomenal season, and then Jared Goff regressed. I mean, he wasn't very good, right? Then he had a phenomenal season, with his first with Sean McVay. Then he sort of regressed. Now he's kind of picking it back up. Yeah. The same thing's happening with that Rams defense. And it just nothing, I can't say enough about how terrible Seattle's defense is, but it is a divisional game, right? So a lot of times we see divisional games are a little closer. There's a little bit more bad blood. Everybody's trying a little harder. And, you know, luckily they don't have to play, you know, for them, they don't have to play divisional games every week and Russ can try to bail them out. But in these, I think they also lost to the Cardinals um, already. Yeah. 
in and, overtime on Sunday night. Yeah, and so they're. I mean, this this loss dropped them to third. I know this loss dropped them to third in the division, and they've got the Cardinals again this week. But then they get a break. They got the Eagles, the Giants, the Jets, and the football team. And then they finish against the Rams and the Niners. So, I mean, they're setting up for a pretty decent finish if they can get anything out of that defense. But that defense is so bad. It's so bad. Yeah, uh, you've said it before, and we'll say it again. The defense is bad. It's so bad. Yeah, uh, I I think that's one of the main reasons why they lost, along with turnovers. So. For sure. Uh, 23 to 16 in that game. Let's move on to probably the most exciting game. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. This just makes you wonder why Houston let DeAndre Hopkins go. We'll just skip to the end. <laughs> Kyler Murray throws across his body. The memes come out on Twitter say, oh, screw it. DeAndre's down there. And uh-huh. he gets triple teamed. Yep. Triple team, mm-hmm. and he goes up and makes a Hail Mary grab and beats the Buffalo Bills. Unbelievable. So, first off, Houston, you must be crying because why you let him go? All you got in return was David Johnson. Yep. What has he done for you? David uh, Johnson. He sat out this last week injured. That's yep. what he did last Thank week. you. He's injured. But look at DeAndre Hopkins. Uh, a remarkable, remarkable upset against the Buffalo Bills. Mm-hmm. Are the Bills in trouble? No, I don't think so. But because this game was easily the Buffalo Bills. They, it looked like they dominated this entire game. But then the Cardinals come back, and DeAndre Hopkins just went up and made a very athletic play. And it, it was an upset. Any way you put it, it was an upset. And it was just great to see it. it it was a great game that's what i love about football the exciting finishes the bills dropped to seven and three but still i i don't really think there's an issue i don't think the bills have to worry this was just a very competitive game down to the last second yeah absolutely i mean the, the bills I, the bills and the cardinals were trading field goals like crazy uh i was watching i was re-watching the the highlights this morning and Tyler Bass, the kicker for the Bills, that dude could have hit from 70. That guy was unbelievable out there. I think he hit three from 50-plus, and they were not like 50 and 51. He hit he hit several deep field goals with room to spare. I mean, that's what I was so impressed by is like how high the ball still was going through the uprights. And that, man, that catch. So I thought Mike Evans had the catch of the week, and if not – you know, one of the contenders for catch of the season when he caught that touchdown in the back of the end zone against the buck or against the, the Panthers. And then Deandre Hopkins comes out and makes the catch of the season. No question, but what a beautiful uh, picture when you see him catching the ball and he's got the Jordan logo on his gloves. And then you've got like the Adidas logo guy with the Adidas gloves on trying to get it. And the guy with the Reebok gloves trying to get it, but he gets it. I was like that man, marketing team's got to jump all over that. I think Nike made it like some ridiculous amount of money off of that exposure I saw this morning. And, you know, Arizona, I mean, is Kyler Murray the real deal? Because we do this a lot. We, we run this like mobile quarterback experiment quite often, more recently with Deshaun Watson and um, Lamar Jackson, who I think we all think are good, but I don't think that any of us 
have them leading teams to the Super Bowl at this point, uh, unless you're, you know, a diehard Ravens fan. And as far as the Texans, I mean, Bill O'Brien, uh, Bill O'Brien destroyed, destroyed the team and ended up giving Arizona exactly what they needed. I mean, talk about receiving cores. They've got Larry Fitzgerald, DeAndre Hopkins, and Christian Kirk, and Kenyon Drake coming out of the backfield, catching passes, Chase Edmonds coming on. It's unbelievable. So really for me, what's, what's exciting for me was this finish, but what's more exciting for me is that um, Arizona is in place to win the division at this point. So these next, this, this game against the Seahawks this week, super high stakes, cannot wait. And then on the flip side, yeah, I do think the bills are probably the best team in the AFC East. However, Miami looks great and the bills got to keep like got to keep ahead because I would not want to be I would not want to fall behind in that divisional race with Miami chomping at the bit to make the playoffs for the first time in a long time yeah yeah absolutely I completely agree but uh one thing I want to point out for Kyler Murray's size as a quarterback he's doing a great job he's not tall in any way you put it and Absolutely. he's still making athletic throws, running all over the field. He's a versatile athlete, and I, I think for his size, he's doing a really great job. Yeah, I mean, he is. But, uh, th- you know, uh, again, huge Niners fan. Loved Colin Kaepernick when he played for the team. And they ran a lot of option plays. And Arizona runs a lot of option plays. And so, obviously, he can throw the ball. Like, I'm not questioning whether or not he can throw the ball. But – how long before teams shut down the option play to a degree where he's forced to pass the ball a lot. Now, again, he's got great receiving core, so they're going to run routes. Well, they're going to catch the ball when he puts it places that it shouldn't be and good for them. So I hope, I hope it works out. Um, But I mean, he's got a lot going against him. Jeff Garcia did it. Jeff Garcia did it with the Niners. He did it with the Eagles, you know, being short and, and getting the ball out. Drew Brees, I think is only like six feet. And, and he's done it forever. So, you know, it, w- we'll see. But, man, they look like they're, uh, you know, one or two defensive players away from a championship, honestly. Yeah. Uh, you look at the Bills here. Um, Allen threw for 284, two touchdowns and two interceptions. And he actually caught a touchdown pass yeah. by Isaiah McKenzie. That was very good. But um, still, the Bills – they still look dominant throughout this game, but mm-hmm. it, it was just a matter of Kyler Murray tossing it up to sure. DeAndre Hopkins for an exciting win. Absolutely. Let's get to the last two big games on our list. Baltimore in New mm-hmm. England. New England gets a much-needed win, improving to 4-5 and five in the rain, in the soaking wet. And you look at this Baltimore team, they don't look like the same Baltimore team we have seen. There's not as a lot of explosion and six and three Baltimore. It's time to hit the panic button because that what's setting the Ravens apart from teams like the chiefs is the explosiveness in my opinion, and mm-hmm. the Baltimore Ravens, I don't see the explosiveness there anymore. And the Patriots took advantage and got a much-needed win. Um, still, Cam Newton, he just does not look comfortable. And I think that's because Cam Newton is not a system quarterback like Bill Belichick 
had Tom Brady for 20 plus years in the same system. And I feel like they're going to struggle with Cam Newton still only 13 for 17, 118 in a touchdown. Cam Newton is better as a a ground rusher Um, because they're not letting him throw the football a lot, but Still, he's getting the job done. But in other games, we've seen that Cam Newton doesn't look comfortable. And I still feel like they need to work something out. Granted, there's still Bill Belichick running this team. And if there's anybody better that can fix this situation, it's Bill Belichick. Absolutely. I mean, look, Baltimore to me is pretending at this point um, that they're the AFC North might be one of the best divisions in football, but I just don't have any faith in Lamar Jackson. Um, he had a good game. Don't get me wrong, but um, I mean, two touchdowns and a pick 250 yards, you know, 24, 34. And then he rushed 11 times for 55 yards. I mean, what did we see that between him and Cam Newton, that's 22 rush attempts. So for a guy who makes so much noise about not wanting to be, you know, he, people call him a running back and he takes it personally and he gets upset and things like that. You know, that's fine. But what is that? 10 yards, 10 yards per completion. Um, this, I mean, that's not bad at all, but how are you going to go out there and lose to the three and five new England Patriots? And then how's that defense going to allow the new England Patriots to put up 23 points? I mean, I, Something's got to give here. And I don't know if it's, I don't know if it's coaching. I don't know what it is, but I mean, they got, their run defense was shredded in this game. Damian Harris, 22 carries for 121 yards. Rex Burkhead, six for 31. And then Cam's 11 for 21 was the, was the lowest rushing. But I mean, just a game I didn't care about at all. Um, I feel like they made the schedules right. And some of these games look so good on paper. Yeah, the Packers, and Niners, I'm a really good Thursday night game. Awesome. And then the Niners, everybody's injured. And then everybody in Green Bay gets COVID. And then, you know, on, on Sunday night, we have Baltimore versus New England, which turned out to be a more exciting game than I thought, because I thought, you know, Baltimore is going to come out here and tear them up. But you're right. There's no explosiveness. What happened to Marquise Brown? What happened? Like last year, all I remember from the Ravens last year is Marquise Brown going deep, Lamar Jackson hitting him in stride, and he's scoring, you know, crazy long touchdowns. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Lamar Jackson's running all over the field, hurtling guys and winning the MVP. Um, this is my question, though, about Kyler Murray, is we have a couple of years of tape on Lamar Jackson now, and does he start to slow down? Do, yeah. do teams start to take away some of the things that he likes to do that bail him out? Yeah, that, that's a really good point there. And um, something to take into account over the years, next couple of years, as we see Arizona. But, uh, yeah, I mean, that's about all I have. But I think the Ravens need to hit the panic button. It's better to do Absolutely. it early rather than later. So, But what's the solution? Yeah, that's a tough one. I don't know. <laughs> right. That's always the question. Is, is it, is it get rid of the coach? Cause if it's get rid of the coach, he's six and three, they might make the playoffs. They probably will in the expanded format. Um, but they definitely can't be the chiefs ever. So if you get rid of the coach, like who do you bring in to replace him? His brother after he gets let go from Michigan. Is that what you do? You give the, you give the other Harbaugh brother another, another shot at the NFL. I don't know. 
Well, the, in, the, did you see Willie Sneed with that terrible leg injury? Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh! Yeah, man, man, prayers up to him. That yep. that just looked very painful. But moving on, the Patriots, uh, twenty three and the Ravens seventeen. Uh, Kirk Cousins finally gets the monkey off his finally back. Finally did it. Finally gets the monkey off his back. One in nine on Monday Night Football. <laughs> One in nine. And the Bears, they need to press the panic button, too. Fourth straight loss, Nick Foles gets carted off the field with minutes left to play in the fourth quarter. Matt Nagy um, gives up his play-calling duties to the offensive coordinator. What more can the Chicago Bears do in order to get better? And I know the Bears fans are probably calling for everybody's head because that's how Mm -hmm. Bears fans usually are. Mm -hmm. But... The Bears looked very good this first half, in the first half. Cordero Patterson, in the start of the third quarter, runs a 104 kickoff yard uh, mm-hmm. return back to the house, and Mike Zimmer was not happy about that Cordero Patterson. I'm sure. Eighth career return, mm-hmm. and as you know, former Viking. So uh, it, this was a tale of two halves, in my opinion. The Vikings played defense, gave the ball to Dalvin Cook a lot, Dolvin Cook, 30 carries, 96 yards. That's what you need. The Vikings are using Dolvin Cook more than in past weeks than when we haven't seen Dolvin Cook being used that much. And uh, the versatility of Cordero Patterson amazes me. You can put him out at receiver, Mm -hmm. running back, kickoff return. You name it, he can do it. So versatility with Cordero Patterson was a key for the Bears. They were hanging on to the last possible moment, and then the Vikings just took off and won. Yeah, Kirk, you know, like you said, Kirk finally did it, and uh, good for him. Um, It only took, you know, uh, 15 of 26 and 106-yard performance from Nick Foles and one interception um, against a team without a running back. And that's, that's all it took. He finally got it done. So congrats to him for beating the, the, the terrible bears. You got to throw the whole franchise away at this point. I don't, I don't know what the answer is. Um, I think we definitely learned that the answer to um, Brett Favre's question about keeping Nick Foles over Carson Wentz. uh, I don't feel like the Eagles would be in or better off. Mm -hmm. So for me, I throw the whole team away. You, you have to. Um, Al, I feel so bad. I have to stop myself from feeling bad for Allen Robinson because Allen Robinson has some of the greatest skills I've seen from wide receivers who have come into the league over the past couple of years. And he is wasting his career away in Chicago, but they paid him big money to be there. Um, so, I mean, kudos to him for taking the money and, and knowing what he wanted to do. I really feel like he could have gotten that money from any other team that wasn't the Bears or the Jaguars. And, uh, I mean, yeah, I don't know. Kirk played well, though. Um, uh, I You know, 292 yards, a touchdown, or two touchdowns and a pick. He's going to throw picks. That's what Kirk Cousins does. That uh, not- pick, it, w- it was because Thielen – Right, bobbled the ball. Right, Little Mac just ran into it. Yes, and if I was Adam Thielen, I would bobble that ball as well, because I would not want to be on the field with Khalil Mack at any point in time in history. Um, so so you take that one off of his off of his score sheet, and that's fine too. But 
I mean, the Vikings, you have to throw the whole franchise away. Uh, both of these teams have so many sort of frustrating holes to deal with, right? Because, you know, the Vikings, they got, they replaced Stefan Diggs, no problem. They, they, they had zero problem replacing him with, is Justin, is it Justin Jefferson? I guess yeah, Jefferson. He, Jefferson I, yeah. I forgot to touch on Jefferson. Mm-hmm. He had an incredible game. Mm-hmm. He looked amazing. Yep. Um, eight receptions, 135 yards. Yeah. He looked great. And he got the ball 10. He was targeted 10 times. So that means, you know, and, and that all of those stats have been going up as the year has gone on, which obviously means he's great at establishing a rapport with this quarterback. Um, and they can trust him to make the plays when they need him to make the plays. So, Again, I think another game that that the schedulers were like, oh, here's a good game. And then we're all kind of disappointed that that's the only game that we have to watch. Uh, Dalvin Cook finally held to under 100, you know, only got 96 yards, and he oh, rushed yeah. the ball 30 times. Mm-hmm. They are he running looked, that man into the ground. He looked good, too. Hands down. I mean, yeah, they, they, the Vikings knew what to do. The, in, the pieces mm-hmm. fit together, and unfortunately for the bears, they just came out on the losing end and they need to figure out what's wrong really quickly. And they won't, they won't. I mean, they've been doing this. They do this every year. They've been doing this for years though. Yeah. I mean, take it all the way back to the Mitch Trubisky trade, right? What terrible decision-making was that? You knew the Niners were not drafting him at number two, but they must've said, we're going to draft him at number two. But apparently the only people they told that to were the bears front office because nobody else had that. And then they trade, you know, a massive haul of picks for the rights to draft Mitchell freaking Trubisky. And I don't know. It's just, it's poor decision-making all around. It's poor ownership. It's uh, at this point, I think it's time for Matt Nagy to go, right? He's got enough chances. He's got enough chances. He's flipped so many times on the quarterback. Eventually you got to pick one and you got to die with it. And I think that's what he's done with Foles here, but now, is he coming back this this season? I mean, what do we, he's got to go. It's time yeah, for him I, to go. I don't know the particulars on that injury. I haven't really seen I don't anything, either. but I, he just got carted off with minutes left. Like there wasn't really much time left in the game, but they brought out the card and took him back to the locker room. So yeah. I still haven't heard anything on that. But other than that, that wraps up the best from week 10 on the Kirby on sports podcast. So let's get uh, some nuggets for you really quick. Uh, the first nugget to a tug of Iloa three and O for the Miami dolphins. It was a close game, but the chargers, once again, they're um, looking very rough to a 15 for 25, 169 and two touchdowns in that win against the Los Angeles chargers. And, I think Brian Flores made the right decision. I apologize last week to all the Dolphins fans who are listeners of my podcast. And Brian Flores, hats off to you. You you made the right decision, and Tua is looking great. Probably the most humblest quarterback you'll see in this league. Humble? Is that what you said? Yeah, humble. The uh, humble. Oh, I'm going to disagree with that heartily. Really? Did you hear what he said today? No, they asked him, they asked him how playing, playing in the NFL was. And he said, I thought it'd be a lot harder. Really? Can you read his stat line to me one more time? Yep. Team for 25, 169 yards and two touchdowns. Serious? 169 yards. I mean, he got two TDs. So good on him. 
And he said, yeah, he said he thought it would be, it's not as hard as he thought it would be. Well, well it, listen, well, why I think he's a humble quarterback, I just feel like his attitude on the field is like not like a normal NFL player who feels like he's making millions of dollars. He, he just has that mindset in that demeanor. It's not like he's, he just seems like, the right type of quarterback he has a it seems like he has a positive attitude but you brought to light i'm sure he's got a positive attitude i just think he's a little cocky is all i'm sure you know i'm sure he's a great guy like he 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 handled i thought he handled the the starting situation you know pretty well uh especially because ryan fitzpatrick was not mincing words when he talked about how unhappy he was with that whole thing so you know coming out and doing his job but to to put up a stat line like that and then to come out on Tuesday and say it's not as hard as you thought it would be, I mean, so you you what you thought you were gonna go zero for sixteen and and zero yards and and negative two yards. I mean, so look, he's been protected really well by that offensive line, and and that's that was my biggest concern when they started him. They threw him out there against the Rams, and I was like, why would you put a rookie quarterback middle of the season out against Aaron Donald and the Rams? But I think he only got sacked like once in that. I think he's only been sacked like three times. Um, so, you know, he, he, he's coming out and he's doing what everyone hoped he would do. And good for Miami. I mean, Miami, talk about making de- good decisions. Uh, Kyle Van Noy, massive impact player for them this season. Yeah. Byron Jones, massive impact player for them this season. They spent a ton of money to get those guys. Um, they probably wouldn't have had to if they could have made Mika Fitzpatrick happy. But um, – I mean, they would still need Kyle Van Noy, but um, talk about contributions on defense. Um, their defense is the best in the league by a large margin. And, you know, the, if the, all, all they need is the offense to do something. I th- they're going to give the Bills a run for their money. It's going to be an interesting race in that division for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Tua Tagovailoa, um, 3-0 and in his uh, first yep. three career starts. Um, for the Miami Dolphins. Moving on to our next nugget, Drew Brees. Um, I don't know if he's done for the season, but I think it's likely that he might be done for the season. Multiple fractured ribs, a collapsed lung. Poor guy. I mean, Drew Brees, you hate to see it. And you know, last time when Drew Brees went out, you had Teddy Bridgewater for the Mm -hmm. Saints and came in and kept the Saints alive until Drew Brees came back. This time it's Jameis Winston and Taysom Hill taking over the duties at the quarterback position. The Saints did come up with the win against the injury depleted 49ers, but Mm -hmm. still, I I, I mean, you just can't help but feel for Drew Brees. And this makes me think with this injury, this could be Drew Brees' last time on the football field. Ooh, I don't know. Interesting. That's I heard. I heard stuff about retirement. That's not. I mean, him. But sure. Still, uh, he's getting up there in age. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying. I'm not saying he's gonna retire, but sure. I I think the options on the table. Absolutely, it has to be at this point. And there is a silver lining to his injury, though. And that silver lining is I don't have to get an alert on my phone every time that him or Tom Brady throw a touchdown that they broke the other one's record. Um, cause I'm sick and tired of getting that because every <laughs> time one of them throws a touchdown, it's Tom Brady ties Drew Brees for the record. Drew Brees breaks the record, Tom Brady. And I just don't care. Like, let's just wait until it's there. One of them is done. And then we can play that game. Um, 
you know, Jameis Winston came out seven of 11 for 75 yards against the Niners. Um, Niners are massively depleted, but they, I mean, th that game was never really in question after the first quarter. So I, like I said before, I think the saints, no matter what happens, I think the saints are done. Um, it, Drew Brees looked, I watched him, I watched his, uh, a part of his post game when he talked about the injury and he really didn't want to talk about it. And he just looked very somber. And I've seen Drew Brees get injured before and talk about, you know, like just going to heal and, and going to come back and, and whatever. And um, this one, this one looked a little different. And, and so, yeah, it, it remains to be seen for sure. Uh, how long it takes for his ribs to heal, how long, you know, I mean, you don't want to keep puncturing your lung for sure. Yeah. So um, I, we'll see, we'll see, but I don't, I don't, I don't expect big things out of the saints this season. Well, yeah, one thing for sure, Jameis came in in this game and handled it pretty well. Six for 10, 63 yards, no touchdowns, no interceptions, but I'm sure he did go out and eat the wind. <laughs> <laughs> he, he eats another win, you know, and mm -hmm. the, the LASIK surgery probably helps as well. Well, that's what I'm, I'm, I'm interested to see him on the field because I'm interested to see if, he can, you know, make a, make a case for himself to get a starting job somewhere. And if he can get that starting job, what is the effect that the LASIK surgery has on his ability to, to play football? Who, who knows? It's a perfect time to show his opportunity right here, right now, because yeah. we have no timetable on when Drew Brees is going to return. Right. Right. And, and they haven't been talking about IR yet, but that would put him out for three games. Does he come back for the playoffs? Is he back at all? Do they make the playoffs? I don't, I mean, if there's Drew a lot Bruce in the air. If out, like you said earlier, I think there's a really hard chance that they miss the playoffs. Sure. I think, I think they're done. If 100%. Drew Brees does not come back. 100%. Yeah. So that is the nugget segment on the Kirby on sports podcast. Still a lot to come. You're with me and Zach Ruff from ProFootballAction.com at the Zach Mamba 24 on Twitter. It's time for um, our weekly segment um, where Zach Ruff makes the line picks and everything. It's called Line Them Up. So, Zach, you want to start our listeners on Line Them Up? Absolutely. So this week, thank you guys for tuning in to Line Them Up. We've got the Steelers at the Jaguars. The Steelers are a 10-point favorite against the Jags, which for me seems like not near enough. Um, but I, I've been wrong before on these on these larger spreads. The Steelers are seven and two against the spread so far this season. Jacksonville is four and five. The Steelers are worse on the road in over-unders, and the Jaguars are worse at home in over-unders. So that's setting the stage for the under this week. The Steelers have only played four games with a combined score of 48 or more. The Jags have played in five. Uh, the over-under, I don't think I said it at the beginning of this part, was 47 and a half. Gardner Minshew is out again this week. So rookie quarterback Jake Luton will get another shot to showcase his skills. I do think that the Steelers are going to win. I think they're going to cover that 10 points, and I'm taking the under because I do not think that Pittsburgh's defense is going to let up against uh, this, this rookie quarterback. And even when they were sort of pressured by a quarterback they hadn't seen before in Dallas, that game ended with a total of 34 points. Next up, I've got the Falcons at the Saints. Saints are a 
five-point favorite against the Falcons, which tells you how bad the Falcons are this season. The <laughs> over-under is 50.5. The Saints are two and two at home against the spread. Now, does that matter at this point is the real question. They've got a brand new starting quarterback, whether it's Jameis Winston or whether it's Taysom Hill or some crazy combination of both, like we're back in college in 2013. The Falcons are three and one against the spread on the road, and they're a combined 12 and five on over-unders. So the Saints are favored. That is a, for me, that's a big, big indicator of what people think about the Falcons. Falcons are terrible. Don't get me wrong. But the Falcons are also probably going to win this game. At the very least, they're going to cover. So give me the Falcons to cover. And I'm going to take the under at 50 and a half. That's a lot of points for a quarterback starting on his, you know, getting his first start of the season, no matter who it is, Winston or Hill. And I just don't think the Falcons are going to do anything more than get close enough to cover that five points. Last up, I've got one more for you this week since I've been on the show with Josh. We've been talking everything. We just got three, but the Titans at the Ravens. The Ravens are six and a half point favorite at home. The over under on that is 49 points. The Titans are three and six against the spread. They are 0 and three on the road this season. They have not covered a spread on the road this year. Baltimore is allowing the fewest points per game. The Titans are 10th in points per game. So what we have here is a really, really good defense at stopping you from scoring and an offense that doesn't, I mean, that scores better than 22 other teams, which is a lot. But when you get to that top tier, how much difference is there really? Tannehill, Ryan Tannehill mentioned earlier in the podcast, has had three games so far where he's thrown for under 200 yards, including last week. I do not trust that the Titans are going to be able to bounce back. I think actually the Ravens will bounce back from their loss against the Patriots. So I am going to take the Ravens to cover that six and a half points. And I'm going to take the under because I don't think either of these teams is going to score a lot. And that's all we've got for this week's line them up. Look for me every week on the Kirby on sports podcast. And you can find me at profootballaction.com and at the Zach Mamba 24. Now let's get back to the show. Yes, sir. Thank you, Zach. As always, great analysis, great segment. We appreciate you um, doing this each and every week. Um, once again, you Absolutely. can find um, Zach at the Zach Mamba 24 on Twitter and profootballaction.com. Now it's time for what to look out for week 11 in the National Football League. I'll start off. Uh, the Cardinals and the Seahawks, as you know, the Seahawks have been struggling recently. Russell Wilson's MVP candidacy is going downhill, unfortunately. This is a statement game for the Cardinals. A tight race in the division, and as you're looking in the division here, the Cardinals are in first place. No, excuse me, it's a three-way tie for first place. So this division is locked up. And so far, but this Thursday night game will be a decision maker on how this division will pan out because it's a three-way tie for first place with the Cardinals at the very top. And if the Cardinals can extend that division lead by beating the Seahawks and the Rams losing next week, that will help them out a lot. And that is what my what to look forward to week number 11. Zach, you're up next. What are you looking forward to week 11? I am really looking forward to the Chiefs Raiders game on Sunday night. 
because the Raiders, as we know, beat the Chiefs already this season. And uh, the the difference in records, the Chiefs are 8-1, the Raiders are 8-3. So if the Raiders win this game, if they can find a way to win this game, beat the Chiefs twice this season, sweep them in the division, uh, that puts the Chiefs at 8-2 and and the Raiders at 7-3 with only a few games to go. So for me... I would love to see what happens there. I also want to see what happens with the Packers and the Colts, because I think that that game is going to tell us a lot about probably more about the Colts, but it's another quality opponent. That's going to be on green Bay's record. When we, as we get towards the end of the season and start thinking about, you know, predictions for super bowls and things like that. If the Colts win that game, the Colts are for real. If the Packers win that game, then I trust the Packers a little bit more than I did last week. So kind of bigger stakes for the Colts, but I'm looking forward to the whatever happens, however it pans out, kind of making some assumptions based on how that game plays out. So that's what I'm looking forward to this week. That's what to look out for week number 11 in the National Football League. That wraps up all the NFL talk, but wait, there is more. <laughs> there is more. The NBA draft coming along. Zach, you're sticking with us. You have covered mm-hmm. the NBA. Um, re, um, most recently, I forget, how long has it been now? Uh, I covered the NBA last off season and okay. then through about half of the, half of the regular season. Yeah. All right. So NBA draft, I, I assume you're still pretty knowledgeable of it. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, the NBA is coming back. I still feel like, um, it's a little bit short notice. They're not giving players enough time. <laughs> to get ready <laughs> they're slated a december 21st start yep. right before christmas and yep. i mean there there's really no time to prepare from all the teams that were in the bubble you're only getting like a month or two of preparation and that that's really not enough time and they're going straight into this season it looks like um they're set to report to their markets no later than November 30th uh, to begin coronavirus testing. So, and another thing about this still, how are they going to watch COVID? How are they going to figure out how to do this? Because there are indoor stadiums, not outdoor. They'll Mm -hmm. probably be without bands, but Mm -hmm. still, if somebody tests positive for COVID, they're going to have to, take that into consideration going into this NBA season with 72 games. Uh, Mm -hmm. I I would assume they might add a week or two like the NFL has proposed. If there are too many positive COVID tests and teams have to postpone, I'm not sure what the situation is, but still there's a lot of unknowns, but Zach first, let me get your take on the whole situation, how the NBA in your mind should handle COVID and then give me your thoughts on the NBA draft coming up. For sure. Um, as far as COVID goes, look, they did great with the bubble. Um, they're not doing that again right now. I think, you know, like, like I said, with football, baseball, I think, I really think, I think largely baseball gets ignored and doesn't get enough credit for how they move through their season and survived their positive coronavirus tests. Um, not having a bubble, traveling, playing in different stadiums, things like that. They, they kind of laid out the blueprint and said, here, this is what we're doing. Do what you want to do with it for base or for basketball, similar situation. 
uh, and you're probably traveling with about the same number of, of human beings. So yeah, it, it is not, it's not outdoors. So that does, you know, potentially increase the risk, but I think what you're going to see is just, you know, postponed games. That's, that's what it'll be or canceled games. If we get to the end of the season and, and we're, there's not enough time left, I think you're just going to see canceled games. I do think you're going to see some players like LeBron James play very, 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 very limited minutes, especially in the first couple of months of the season, if the team can, can do well. Um, and Anthony Davis, and that's probably it. Um, but some of the, some of those players I think will not play every game. They won't play tons of minutes every game and they don't have fans in the stadium. So there's really not that, uh, I think there's, I want to say there's 12 teams that will have fans, uh, limited fan attendance. And, so for those fans, it, it'll suck. But for the most part, you know, you're not going to have um, fans who came paid good money to see you and then you're sitting out. And, and so I think you will see a lot more rest and load management. Kawhi, probably same thing. Um, and I think we'll just kind of, they'll figure it out as it goes. As far as the draft goes, um, not a super stacked class, not a, not a, not a particularly compelling class past Wiseman and uh, Ball and Edwards um after those top three guys I really you know whoever you pick is is great um but I I mean and certainly somebody who we're not thinking of is going to make an impact on a team because that happens every single year um but as far as trying to predict it or or you know project who's going to be the best fit for for what team it's really to me just about filling holes if a team with with holes fills a hole with a guy who plays that position that guy probably stands a chance to do pretty well, which is a very generic and vague thing to say, but it's a very generic and vague draft this year. Yeah. So um, I feel like not the stack draft class um, goes back to this pandemic and how could, how yeah, this, for sure. Yeah. The pandemic I think really plays yeah. a role in this draft class, so to speak, because you didn't, you didn't really have a college basketball season. Yeah. March Madness got canceled. Yep. What was there to be based on? But they're still doing a virtual draft, and mm -hmm. there's going to be another ball that probably makes it into the league. So mm -hmm. other than that, there are some big headlines across the NBA mm -hmm. on the trade um, before the draft. Um, the first biggest one I want to point out, James Harden turned down a massive deal from the Houston Rockets, um, he's potentially eyeing the Brooklyn Nets. Mm -hmm. If that deal happens, uh, it looks like Kyrie might get shipped off somewhere in a trade. Do you think Harden stays with Kyrie? They're shipping off Kyrie. And do you think this is a good move? I think that the move, man, it's, it's so tough because Kyrie, Kyrie, in my opinion, has the if not the best the second best handles of all time um he can create his own shot he can drive to the to the lane he can sh shoot fantastically i mean look at his you know game winning shot in the finals a couple years back um but he is so draining in the locker room that it's tough to weigh his talent versus what you have to put up with if you get him and also like Every time he's been injured in the past two or three seasons, his team's record is better when he's not out there. So 
I don't think it's a terrible idea to get to, to trade Kyrie for James Harden. I also don't think James Harden is a winner um, in terms of championships. I don't think that he, I don't think that he can close. And I love the idea of him going to run it back with KD because maybe they can there. Maybe those two together can figure something out. Um, I thought the Russell Westbrook, James Harden experiment was doomed from the start. And yeah, they're a great regular season team, but I mean, they got bullied by the Lakers. And so in the playoffs. So for me, I, I understand kind of the allure. I just, I have to see it play out, right? We haven't seen KD play with Kyrie yet. They've been on the same team, but they haven't played any games because Katie's been out and so as far as the contract extension I'm not surprised even a little bit that he turned that down because he's making that that was two years onto his current deal well his current deal goes for three more seasons so that would lock him up for five more years I under it, it in the NBA doesn't have that same problem with its superstars that like the superstars have in other leagues like the NFL where you got to get that guaranteed money when you can get it because it's not going to be there later the NBA players like LeBron and Anthony Davis and Kevin Durant and Kyrie and Kawhi and probably James Harden are signing these three-year deals where the third year is a player opt-out, not so they necessarily can leave the team, but so that they can renegotiate their contract for more money without doing a holdout and all of that stuff. Oh yeah. So, so that two-year deal adds two years onto his contract and so he's stuck at that 50 million. It's an interesting, the reason it's an interesting gamble in this particular case, in my opinion, though, is because of the pandemic, because of the lost revenue, and because we still don't know, I mean, the situation with the NBA in China is still a little fluid. Um, potentially, the NBA could lose a lot of money, and then max contracts would actually go down, and new max contracts wouldn't be worth as much money. But for me, when you're talking that much money, I think he's taking a little bit of a gamble that it's going to turn around, pick back up, and then he signs, you know, he's getting older as well, signs a couple-year deal. If he wants, I'm maybe he's thinking, if I don't have a championship by then, I'm going to go get one, right? So whoever's whoever's on top at that point, he goes and joins them and 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 tries to tries to get a title. So I'm not, I'm not shocked, especially after coming out and saying he wanted to be on a contender elsewhere. I'm not shocked at all that he didn't accept their uh their trade as far as going to the nets i don't know how the salary works i don't know i don't think him and Kyrie on the same team works at all i don't think it works even a little bit but um where does Kyrie go does houston get Kyrie? i i, I read that the brooklyn nets are trying to do everything they can to keep kd and Kyrie and get james harden i don't know how the money works in that situation it, it's mm. unbelievable to me um i don't know what in god's name brooklyn could give up i mean they won't I, I realistically they won't have a bench i think is it would just be the three of them versus 12 players on the other team. And <laughs> that's what you'll have because I don't, they, they're going to have to trade everything that they have. at this Yeah. That, that's not realistic. I feel like you'd run into massive salary issues. Yeah. If you I don't try to keep all three of them on the same mm-hmm. team. Yep. I, I, I find that highly unlikely. You're listening to the Kirby on sports podcast. I'm here with Zach Ruff talking NBA. Now, if you're just tuning in, he's with ProFootballAction.com. You can catch him at the Zach Mamba 24 on Twitter, new Orleans, just uh, nearing a completion of a deal per Woj on Woj ESPN on Twitter to send drew holiday to Milwaukee for Eric Bledsoe in George Hill and significant draft compensation. What are your thoughts on this move? Um, I love this move for the Bucks. I hate this move as a Lakers fan because now I'm scared of the Bucks. 
um, in our quest to, to repeat. Um, the Bucks are doing everything that they can to keep Giannis, right? Giannis has come out multiple times and said, like, he is not going to stay if they can't build a winning team. They've only got one more shot at it before he hits free agency. And really, they only have until whatever the trade deadline is this season to decide if they want to trade him and get something or let him walk or maybe do a sign and trade deal um, like we see with like, because the Bucks also acquired uh, Bogdan Bogdanovich from the Kings and they put together, that's a pretty solid team. George Hill had to go. He's too old. He's too washed. Um, he, you know, George Hill was a great player. He is not that player anymore. And he, he had to go. Uh, Drew Holiday gets him a, you know, point guard that can create his own shot, that can do all of the things that they need him to do. So now you've got him, Chris Middleton, um, Giannis, obviously, but they, I think Brooke Lopez declined his uh, player option and is going to test free agency. So they need to fix that problem. Um, they're going to run into a bench problem, I think, pretty quickly. Now, the Lakers ran into a bench problem last year and filled it out very nicely. Um, so it can be done for sure, but I don't know what's going to happen with that. The Pelicans, I love the Pelicans. I love everybody on the Pelicans except Josh Hart. I think Josh Hart talks way too much and can't stand him. But I love what the Pelicans are doing down there. And so I hope that they can turn, uh, you know, these assets into things that will bring them. I, I honestly, I like Lonzo Ball. I would like to see Lonzo Ball get more playing time. Drew Holiday leaving gets him more playing time. I think Lonzo's a true point guard that plays defense. He can't shoot to save his life. Um, but I just, I hope the best for him. And I hope that he can find his way to be an effective, impactful player in the league and clearing space for him to, to get out there and do it is the only way to do it. So, um, yeah, I, I think, I think it was a good trade for both teams. You know, it's no secret that the Pelicans have been looking to get rid of Drew for not get rid of Drew, but trade, you know, move on from Drew for a little bit now. And they're an exciting young team. There's no, there's nothing to not like about them. So last but not least Sh Shams Charnina at Shams Charnina. I, I probably bought that. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> you I wasn't have gonna a correct say I was gonna <laughs> I think it's Charina. Charina. Okay, we'll go with Chirina. that. At so I might also Sham be wrong. So you might both look like idiots. At Shams Charina, the Rockets and the Wizards have discussed a deal centered on Russell Westbrook for John Wall. Sources tell at the Athletic NBA at Stadium. No traction yet. Uh, Russell Westbrook broke for John Wall. Rockets are seeking more assets, but an inside source uh, tells me literally a couple seconds ago that the contracts match. The salaries are almost mm -hmm. identical for what Russell for sure. Westbrook and John Wall. I don't think this trade goes. I don't think it goes either. I, what do you for why? Why, why, who wants that trade? That's what I don't understand. I mean, I don't understand. Well, I understand why Washington wants that trade because Washington has been in a pickle with John Wall for years now being unable to dump his contract on somebody. And so if they can dump his contract on somebody, I think at this point they would take anybody. If they can get a legitimate starter in the league who's going to average a triple-double potentially, then the more the merrier. Because previously it's like, yeah, we could get like maybe three expiring contracts for him um, if we're the luckiest team in history. 
Um, but Houston, what does Houston want with a point guard who hasn't played a game in what, two years now? And, yeah. and honestly, I mean, he came on the league, played really well uh, for a couple of years. I just don't, nothing excites me about John Wall. There's nothing to me that I'm like, oh man, he would be a great fit for a blah, blah, blah team. Like it's just, it's, he's, I don't know. And how, how's he going to come back after all this time off? It remains to be seen. So do you want to trade a guy like Russell Westbrook where you could probably get more stuff for him um, to get back John Wall in return? I would love to see Russ get traded to the Hornets. There's a lot of rumblings that Michael Jordan wants him on the Hornets. I would love to see him go play in uh, in Charlotte and, and kind of try to lead that team. Um, but, I mean, here's the problem, honestly. All these guys that we're talking about here, they're not winning championships. Like it's just plain and simple. I mean, Kyrie and KD have championships. Neither one of them would have those championships if not for the, like, they were integral pieces for sure. But you're talking about LeBron James, who just won a couple titles in Miami, then came to Cleveland, then they got Kevin Love, then they won the title. And you're talking about Kevin Durant going to the 73 and nine Warriors and winning a couple titles. So can they do it by themselves on, on the Nets? Probably with DeAndre Jordan, I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't be shocked. I'm not picking them, but I wouldn't be shocked. Um, but John Wall, Russ, James Harden, Bradley Beal, DeMar DeRozan, all guys that have been, you know, coming up in, in rumors, they don't win. They get close. They make the playoffs and that's great, but they're not there. There are so many of them that think that they are the guy and they're not the guy. They need another guy to be the guy if they want to win a title. Absolutely. Um, always great insight from Zach Ruff of profootballaction.com at the Zach Mamba 24. That about wraps it up. We covered it from NFL all the way to the NBA. As you know, the NBA draft <laughs> is re- looming right around the corner. Uh, Zach, want to thank you so much for all your time and uh, for your contri- uh, contributions to line them up on the Kirby on Sports podcast. You can check him out each and every week on our podcast, the line them up segment. Uh, recapping the lines and the breakdown, the spreads from the next week, previewing the next week. So Zach, want to thank you so much for your time, sir. Appreciate it, man. Happy to come on. Happy to be, you know, doing the segment and, uh, and happy to chat. It was a great, I feel like it was a great conversation and we, we definitely hit a lot of stuff. Oh, absolutely. So until the next time you listen to us, that wraps it up for another edition of the Kirby on Sports Podcast, as always, sponsored by Regroup Building Services and PM Plus Reserves. Big thanks, as always, to MPD Now Productions, Dave Johnson, and Productions by Quet. Catch the Kirby on Sports Podcast everywhere you can find streaming platforms, anchor.fm slash the Kirby on Sports Podcast. Until the next episode, continue to create greatness, and we will catch you next time. Peace out. Uh-huh.